Welcome to Trina Talk. This is the podcast where guests share their stories of pursuing their passions, living a fulfilled life, and empowering others. Each week, I talk with inspiring leaders, business owners, and people with amazing stories from around the world in unscripted conversations as they share their successes and failures. This podcast is all about empowering you to keep striving in your personal and professional life. I am your host, Trina L. Martin. Hey, welcome to another episode. If you're listening, go ahead and go out and subscribe so that you won't miss any future episodes. Also, if you like the show, give us a five-star review That way we can move up in the rankings and other people can find the show and be impacted and inspired just like you. My guest this week is Tamara Zoner. Tamara is a speaker and coach on a mission to create greater happiness in the world by teaching individuals and groups the actions and habits of happiness. A show not tell single mom to three awesome kids and karaoke enthusiasts, Tamara demonstrates daily how to create a life you love. Hi, Tamara. Welcome to Trina Talk. Hi, Trina. Thank you. Oh, thank you for being here with me. It's, you know, I've been waiting for this interview to talk with you because I have never had anyone call themselves the happiness coach. Mm-hmm. So how I start to show off every show, I ask my guests to tell the listeners who you are and what made you the Tamara that you are today. Mm. <laughs> yes, there've been many variations. <laughs> uh, so who I am is a lover of life, an adventurer, a big, huge, open-hearted um, hugger. Um, and what made me hear this version of myself today is everything that came before this moment, Trina. Yes. Yeah, so I want to dive into that because I'm not going to read your bio, but I was reading some of the stuff that you put down and I want you to go into it and and tell us what you went through to get you to this point. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm one of the lucky ones in the fact that I was definitely born smiling, optimistic, pretty cheerful. My mom nicknamed me sunshine right off the bat. My grandpa called me bright eyes. So I definitely had a naturally high happiness set point, as I call it in in happiness training and yet life, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Life is never perfect. Um, When I was a child, I grew up on a farm. My father was always working. And if he wasn't, my parents were fighting. Uh, I have three other siblings, two older, one younger. So definitely that middle child trying to make everything okay, trying to smooth the tensions, trying to make people happy so that it was calm and safe feeling. And as I got into my teenage years, you know, the relationship with my mother was pretty dramatic. She had mental health issues that were unaddressed at the time and thankfully have been since. So she's much healthier and we have a good relationship now, but there was a lot of strife and a lot of, uh, you know, emotional, verbal Mm -hmm. abuse. Mm -hmm. And uh, it took a lot of strength to kind of not believe what I was being told. And some of it seeped in, of course, because it's 
just what happens. And uh, so, of course, I I got out of the home as soon as I could. I went away to college and and started to figure out who I am and started to play with aspects of myself outside of my upbringing, outside of Catholicism, which I was raised in and rejected for the most part as soon as I could. And really discover like, who is Tamara, right? Mm -hmm. Away from the people who are telling me who I am. And that was an amazing enlightening experience. And I started to gain confidence and I started to explore and I started to get into psychology and human development. And, and then I had a pretty traumatic breakup, which tailspinned me. And so I thought, well, I'll just, I'll just take, I'll take a semester off. And then I I moved from the school I was going to to uh, the west side of Michigan, which is a very religious area. And uh, soon after, I met the man that would become my husband. And any progress I had made in my confidence was erased that much and more in my marriage. My ex-husband now, thankfully, uh, is a very controlling uh, person. If you wanted to label it, you could call it narcissism, which is a buzzword, Mm -hmm. you know, just someone who can't really look at their own self with any, any awareness or growth. And here I was this person who was typically a really good influence on people and couldn't make a dent and really didn't know him when we got married. It was, uh, it was, it should have, it was a definite, like sweep you off your feet. Um, met him, married him six months later, moved across the world a few months after that, and then was isolated, uh, from family and friends starting fresh with this person I barely knew. And, and yet it was the programming that you're supposed to do, right? This is the path. Oh, I got married. So next up have kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, And so we did. And then we moved back to the States and had more kids. And just in that, in that space, completely lost, well, to take responsibility, gave away my voice, Mm. gave it away to him and repeated that third of four child pattern of trying to just make it okay, you know, play the good girl card and just keep things smooth and easy. And of course that doesn't really work. Right. And then as I had my children who were no longer just in diapers, but starting to turn into little people, I had to start looking at what I was showing them. And I was deeply unhappy and that was not my normal disposition. And so I started trying to figure out how to get happy again. And that's really what led me to who I am now, which is who I truly am. I I decided, Trina, that I was going to take back my voice. I recovered my self-worth and was able mm. to leave the marriage and show my children, two girls and a boy, that that's not what a relationship is supposed to look like. That's not how you treat a woman. And that's not the kind of treatment you tolerate. And, and now I'm a very happy single mom of these (laughs) three kids who are now teenagers Mm -hmm. and running my business, teaching the same skills that I've utilized to transform my life and make it one that I absolutely love. You know, I'm listening to your story and 
there's so many similarities between us because I came from an abusive mother as well. Um, tried to find love with all the wrong men. Been there, done that. So yeah, yeah. we both got that t-shirt. Uh, <laughs> took me a long time to really find my worth, find my voice, get it out of that self-esteem because I went from leaving an abusive mother and basically looking for acceptance and looking for someone to say, okay, they love me because I'm lovable. I'm a good person. I need somebody to do it. So I went to man after man after man being abused, abused, abused. Um, So it took me a long time. So with you and you finally saying, you know what? I found my voice. I'm getting out of that. What are you doing now? How are you using your life experience to help other people? I am now I'm a, as you read, a certified happiness trainer and a coach and a speaker. And so I'm sharing and drawing from my experience and the tools that I utilized to show people that there's a way out Mm -hmm. to say, look, wherever you're at right now, if you're miserable, if you want a divorce, if you're newly divorced, if you've been divorced and not, I don't just work with divorcees, but it does seem that (laughs) I get a lot of them, uh, you know, you can, you can come out of that darkness, out of that fog, and you can create a life that you love living. One that is beautiful and joyful and fulfilling. And that doesn't mean there won't be hard parts because that's just life, right? So it's not toxic positivity. It's not shoving down any of the negativity. It's realistically living life and navigating the choppy waters using a ton of tools that help us feel what we feel Mm -hmm. and move through it instead of just sitting there in it. So how would one do that? So if I'm a listener and going through, like you said, maybe I'm in a marriage that I'm like, oh my God, I I really, this I made a mistake. Mm-hmm. I shouldn't be in this marriage. But then, you know, you're saying, okay, well, I have small kids and, or, you know, um, financially I can't do it on my, you know, on my own. I'm very unhappy. How, how does one take these tools or what are these tools for me to reclaim my life and my voice? Mm-hmm. I'm smiling because I said exactly those things. <laughs> I had three small children. I hadn't worked because I'd been parenting and we'd been moving overseas and here and there. And, and finally I got to the first tool that we have to use, which is awareness, self-awareness. And I had to really look, and that takes some courage because it's very easy to lie to ourselves, avoid how we really feel, avoid the situation and just make the most of it. Be grateful for what you have, even though it is often not a good situation. And so self-awareness is that first key. So whether people are hiring me or just watching me on social media, I say, start with awareness and gather up your courage. Like you might not feel very courageous, but you've got some in there. And so collect it and be willing to look for real at what you're experiencing right now. Because for me, from my experience, I had to recognize that, okay, I had three small kids. I didn't want to be a single mother. And I now in retrospect, know that that was the best. I I stayed for an extra seven years. It was a 15 year marriage. And I tried to leave once uh, right 
before I was pregnant with my son and I was thinking, gosh, I don't want to be a single mom. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, I got to make this work. And my parents have been married for like 56 or 57 years. And so I, I didn't want to be divorced. And yet when I got honest with myself, okay, it took another seven years for me to be really honest with myself. Mm -hmm. Uh, I was dying inside and, and I was not creating a healthy environment for my children to grow up in. Mm -hmm. And so awareness first, and then we have to take some action. Uh, We have to, from my perspective, and here's what I do with my clients, we have to now sit down and say, well, what do you want your life to look like? What do you want it to feel like? What do you want to be and do? Where do you want to be? What do you want to be surrounded with? How do you want to show up in the world? And so we actually start designing that life and the, the tool that I use is called the passion test. And it's writing down a list of 10 to 12 things that you want to be, do, feel, or have in your life. And then I take you through your list and we get to your top five passions. And then I show you how to align your life with those things. And it's, it's simple, but it's not easy, mm-hmm. right? It's simple. The process is simply choose in favor of your passions, <laughs> yeah. right? Every day you have choices and opportunities and decisions to make, and you can either move toward that life that you want to create, or you can move away from it or stay right where you're at. And so again, you got to build up those reserves of courage and start to take action toward the life that you want to be living. And that doesn't mean not everybody has to leave a relationship. Mm -hmm. It can just be finally asserting your voice and saying, Hey, I'm not happy. Can we do something about this? And discovering from there if it's a possibility. And my hope for most people is that it is. But you have to have two two healthy people in a relationship to make that relationship work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And that's, you know, it's very interesting because, like you said, it's easier said than done to follow your passion. Yeah. Um, because your passion may be something that doesn't pay the bills. Or your passion may be something that's not realistic as far as um, sustaining you. And when someone is really trying to revamp their life and get to where they need to do, you know, we, we need to survive, right? You know, passion is great, but you know, we, we all got bills to pay. We got mouths yeah. to feed and things like that. Let me so, clarify passion. Trina. Yes. <laughs> isn't just your livelihood. And mm-hmm. often it isn't that at all. It is, for instance, uh, someone's passion may be that I, show up confidently in my life and speak my truth. Mm. Someone's passion maybe I feel healthy and energetic in my body. Someone's passion maybe I uh have a happy harmonious family life. That was one of mine. Someone's passion may be that I work in an environment where there there's a team feeling and we foster each other's growth. So you know, it doesn't just have to be, oh, I live my passion. Mm-hmm. And and then it's also redefining, you know, passion and purpose are closely linked. Okay. And it's redefining how you, how you live your passion. So if my passion or my purpose is to inspire people to live their best lives, which it is, <laughs> right? I can still do that, whether I'm the clerk at my grocery mm-hmm. store, the um, trash collector, Mm -hmm. a bank teller, the CEO of a company, a motivational speaker, a podcaster. I can do that no matter how, because it's not the what, it's just how I'm showing up in my life. So if I make one person smile, that might be living my passion. Mm 
each day. You know, and I'm so glad you clarified that because a lot of people do think, well, when you say passion, it has to be something grand, right? It has to be something grand that's, you know, oh my God, this is, I'm going to save the world with this. But you're right. It could be something just simple as I want to have peace in my life. Yes. Yes. Yeah, and because that was always my big thing is I just want peace. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, so many times people say, well, oh, if I had money or if I had this or if I had that and not realizing that those things are not what's going to make you happy. So right. I'm very glad you define that. Now, when you're working with people and the first thing that came to my mind was, um, and I don't know why, but um, women who have been abused physically, mm-hmm. mentally, things like that, that really need someone to help them find them, themselves again. Mm-hmm. Um, do you work with any people like that? Do you have a certain demographic of people that you work with? How how would one come about coming to you? Mm-hmm. I, I do tend to work with a variety and I always seem to gear my work toward women, but then men are showing up as well. So um, that's very interesting. Now, someone who's had a lot of trauma in their lives, I'm of course going to recommend a licensed practical therapist first (laughs) and coaching can work well in conjunction with that because there, there can be a lot of old trauma that needs a different skill set. Right. So I typically work with someone who has done some work Mm-hmm. If they've had trauma and is ready for their next step or people who have little T traumas, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> little T trauma is fine. No problem. Uh, who are finally ready to tell themselves the truth about mm-hmm. their lives and their experience and do something about it. I often people will talk to me and they might think they want coaching, but they're not really ready for it. You know, right. I'm not going to, I'm not going to grab your hand and pull you I let meet me halfway and then I'll show you how to mm-hmm. move forward, but you have to do the work yourself, right? You have to, I can't do it for you. So, um, I work with people who are ready to mm-hmm. do the work. I work with, um, typically it seems to be midlife, which mm-hmm. is a pretty wide range, right? Mid thirties to anywhere up to early sixties, typically, mm-hmm. uh, though I've worked with, I've, given the passion test to a 75 year old and I've done coaching with 20 year olds. So uh, there's a range, but typically it is that adult person who is finally waking up from that programmed Mm -hmm. pathway that they thought they had to live. And then is like, what the hell is this? I'm not happy. (laughs) (laughs) Why were, why did I do all these supposed to do is, and now I'm here I am and I hate my life and I hate myself. And um, so I work with a lot of people on self-esteem and self-love and, and no matter where you're coming from, mm-hmm. we go through that because most people, frankly, do struggle with self-esteem and self-love and their relationship with themselves. And so that's where we start the relationship with yourself, because right. until you have mm-hmm. respect for you, no other relationship is going to, you can't fill a, a void right. right, with somebody else. You have to, I, I read a quote uh, just yesterday and it said, There isn't any part of you that can't be fixed by what's right with you. So there's no nothing wrong with you that can't be fixed with what's right with you. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was so beautiful because we're not really broken. 
we are whole and we just have to uncover. It's like digging out of the dirt that's been layered on us and layered over us all of our lives, all the supposed tos and shoulds and, and doing what our family thinks, you know, is best for us instead of going, Hey, wait, it, I am me (laughs) and I get to say what's right for me. Oh man. I love that. And I wish I had someone like you when I was going through my twenties and thirties, because I had someone ask me that question, like, what would you tell your younger self? And my, my answer is always be true to yourself and that you are enough. Yeah. Oh gosh. That right there is the core belief that we all need. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. it's typically the opposite, right? Right. Yeah. And it is. And for some reason, it is. And it's and it's funny because there are a lot of people who are walking around who don't feel that they are enough, mm-hmm. but they don't realize it. I think it's something that yeah. we subconsciously tell ourselves and think about ourselves. Mm-hmm. But we wouldn't tell, like, you know, I wouldn't come up and meet you and say, hey, Tamara, you know, I don't think I'm good enough. You know, I would <laughs> not do that. But you know, it's, it is, it's a, it's a struggle. And what are you finding when you're working with people as far as, do you have people that come to you like that? And, you know, when you work with them and it gets down to it, they're going, oh my God, you know, I, I have low self-esteem or whatever. Is it less something that they really consciously couldn't put a finger on, but once they find out, they're like, yeah, that's, that's what's going on. Yes. A lot of the people that I work with are aware of it. I mean, that's them showing up ready to, Mm -hmm. to heal. And some people wouldn't call it that, Mm -hmm. but it shows up in how they're living their lives. It shows up in how they hate their job, but they're not willing to go for another one that, or their relationship is good enough, but it's not really what they want. And, uh, so that's how it shows up when you're settling, when you're settling. Yeah. Yeah. That, that word. Yeah. I I've done that several times. And yeah, me it, too. It's like, oh, it's like, why did, why did I settle again? Um, yeah. Yeah. you know, not thinking I was good enough. So just saying, okay, well, I guess I'll just take this because there's no one else better. That's going to come along. Exactly. Like our desires aren't something we can actually achieve or get to, but I think that's, also baloney because I'm also a deeply spiritual person. And I fully believe that our dreams and desires are placed in our hearts by, you know, our higher power and they wouldn't be there if we couldn't live them. Right. Right. So true. I I totally, totally agree. And so how long does this process take? And I know everyone is different, but what are you finding is your average, um, when you get someone, um, coming to you. And I'm very, once you answer that, I'm very interested to talk about the men that you work with. What are you finding your average is as far as your breakthrough with someone? Six months. Oh, okay. So yeah. So it's really intense then. Yes. Yes. And, you know, I used to offer just a, well, I still offer one-off sessions of the passion test. And then it's like, all right, that way I know who's ready to do the work and who I want to work with and support. And then I'll offer, I used to offer a three-month package and it's just getting juicy at the three-month mark. Mm -hmm. They're just starting to uncover their like really long-held limiting beliefs. And if you want to believe that, if you want to believe that beliefs are limiting, that's (laughs) when they come up. Uh, And then 
by that way, that's when resistance really can show up because, you know, our subconscious mind just loves the status quo. It doesn't want change. It's scary and uncomfortable. And so that's the point where people need to be held in accountability and say, this is what's happening for you right now. You're uncomfortable. You're miserable. Crap's happening out externally because you're making changes, not just out here, but in here, Mm -hmm. you know, you're shaking the foundation and that's a good thing because it needs to be cracked open so you can lay a new one. Wow. Yeah. You know, and and I'm saying, wow, because I've gone through that process myself, just like you said, starting with being aware. And I had to go through these steps kind of on, well, on my own, because I was like, okay, this is where I am kind of like you. And you're like, you know what? I need to find my voice and reclaim my life. So Mm -hmm. I did this step probably like you did, you know, when you were going through your, your thing where you finally came out of it. And it's just, it's so, um, Really learning yourself is really confronting. That's what I tell people. It's so <laughs> it's, it's so confronting. It uh, if you're if you're honest, right? Because yes. you know some people go into the process, and I'm pretty sure you, you've seen this where they're not really honest, right? They they want to say, "Yeah, I'm doing this," or "Yeah, whatever." But if you really get raw with yourself, it's confronting, and you're like, "Oh man." I got yeah. some junk <laughs> or real. And that's why it's so helpful to have a coach or a really good friend who will hold yes. you in that truth, which, you know, those deeply authentic, like, I love you. And here's yes. your shit back in your face. <laughs> Sorry yes. for this, but that is, you know, so important if we are really devoted right. to our growth. Right. Yeah. And, it, and it then is. it, right. Like we have to look at it because if you just keep shoving the stuff under the carpet, you don't know what's there. How on earth can you have a clean house? Right, exactly. Right. And if, you know, if you are a person who saying you want the clean house, but then when someone is telling you and then you're looking at them like, yeah, they, they don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> right. <laughs> I can see the lump, but there's no dirt there under right. the carpet. Right. You know, you have issues and, you know, and it's, you know, you're funny. You're right. You need a friend. So I always tell the story. So I have a good friend she and I have been friends since college. So 30 plus years. And she is my, I, I categorize her as she's the friend that will pick me up off the floor, dust me off and never tell anybody how she found me. Mm. So when I'm saying something that's crazy, she'll tell me that's crazy. But yet when I was going through all my stuff and I was beating myself up, she was also the person that said, you know what? You're human. Why are you you know, beating yourself up for this, um, which, you know, through the years, she has been that person for me, you know, so everyone needs someone like that, someone who's going to tell you, you know what, what you just said was crazy, or how you're acting is whatever, but then be that person that when you really need them, who's going to pick you up and dust you off and never tell anyone how they found you. I love that. That's so beautiful. Yes, we all need that. And it takes a level of vulnerability to get that kind of a friendship. A lot of people think, well, I don't have deep friendships. I don't have people I can talk to, but it's because you're not talking to people, right? Right. Right? We have to bear a little bit of our souls 
to connect with the people who will see us and witness us mm-hmm. and hold us and be our mirror of both right. love and BS. Right. Right. <laughs> like my girlfriends and I have too. We are just like this and they're newer friendships. In fact, mm-hmm. but they came from a, a local meetup group that I run where I say, looking for deeper, more authentic conversations where a space where you can show up as you are. And so I met them within this container. And over the last five years, we've just become like so tight. And it's this, I love you. I hate your relationship because I love you so much, but you're telling me this crap. I don't want to hear, but I do want to hear it. And that's why we're friends. (laughs) Right. But wouldn't you say that in order to have that kind of relationship and friendship, you also have to be able to receive the crap that you don't want to hear because people say, yeah, I want that friendship. I want somebody like that. But when you get that person who's telling you, okay, here's the crap. And let me tell you about yourself. They, they don't want to hear that. Yeah. yeah. Then they're like, never mind. You're not my friend anymore. Right. Because or they, they can dish it. it to you, but they right. can't take it. Right. So we have to be willing. We have to be willing to see it and to look and even to look for it. I'll often call it like, let's go excavating, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, because we have to dig in that inner critic, that inner bully has a hold on us that we are not even aware of. And we have to go in and sever the mm-hmm. cords and dig deep and get really honest before we can start to, um, you know, create new beliefs and, right. and change that bully into a cheerleader. I like to say where instead of being critical, it's such a compassionate voice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And I wanted to touch on um, the men, cause you mentioned you don't only work with women, but I, it was intriguing to me because you don't find a lot of men that do things like this, that are putting in this kind of work. Mm-hmm. So how, how did you, the first guy, how he, did he come to work with you? I mean, how, how did that, that happen? Uh, the, let's think of the very first one I've worked with. It was probably in a workshop. And mm. so I was doing public workshops. I think the first time I really worked with men was when I offered an attract your perfect partner workshop. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Which like was a guise to get them to realize that they are their own perfect partner. <laughs> I can imagine that. <laughs> it got that them went. in the door. Yeah. Yeah. And then they would want to work with me. And in fact, I, several of the clients I've had that are men, I've met through networking. Okay. Uh, so just business networking, and then they'll reach out and be like, Hey, I think I need this. And, and also through my meetup group, uh, because it is open for men and women. And sometimes it's very interesting. Sometimes we won't see a man for a few months mm-hmm. and then sometimes it'll be mostly men or half men. And it's just here and there. And Men are more likely to take action for themselves, Trina. They they don't wait quite so long because, you know, they're socialized differently than women are. We're supposed to figure it out for ourselves and handle so much. And men are like, this is uncomfortable. I've got to do so. I've got to take action. Wow. <laughs> here's the action I can take. And so they do it much more rapidly than women tend to. Women need a little more time and relationship building men will just be like i'm in let's let's just do this wow so mm-hmm. with saying that is that the reason why um in the workplace and just in general men show up differently than women because you know like 
like we are, you know, we're like the thinkers, we analyze everything, but whoo, why did that happen? You know, so for instance, in relationships, most women go, I need closure. Why, why did he leave? Or, you know, why didn't this work where most men be like, eh, eh, done, move on, you know, <laughs> why yeah. is that? You know, we're more emotional creatures. We not always, mm-hmm. of course, but typically men are action takers and women are connectors. So when we're going through a difficult time, we're actually, our brains are craving oxytocin. So we need, we want to connect. We want to reach out. It's called this tendon befriend tendency, where if we're hurting, we reach out to others so that we can caretake because that's that action of caretaking or talking about what's going on for us, that emotional connection releases oxytocin in our brains. Mm -hmm. Whereas when men are going through emotional stuff, which they of course do, they instead, they don't have that same need for oxytocin. Their brains are wired differently. And so they go and fix something. They go and fix something or they go and have a beer with their buddies, but they don't talk about anything important. It's just companionship, but not connection. Right. So do you like working with the men as opposed to the women? I actually do really Mm -hmm. enjoy. I I love working with both and it's just different. Uh, And I, I, it's equal because so many times, you know, in each sort of recycle of my work and reviewing what I'm offering. Well, I'm going to do something for women, but more often in the last year or two, I'm thinking I need to create a program for men Mm -hmm. because I also think that there's this evolution going on for men as we sort of switch, you know, dynamics and come more like it's not just feminine or masculine. Now there's such a, a blending and a play of the masculine and the feminine that more men are saying, Oh, Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd like to get in touch with my feelings. I'd like to be able to have a deeper conversation with my partner or my friends. Uh, and so it's really fun to work with both and all genders. I haven't had an opportunity yet to work with someone who identifies somewhere on the spectrum of genders. Mm-hmm. But, um, but men and women are just so uniquely wired that it's fun to work with both. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, that was very, uh, I was very curious about that because yeah, you don't, at least I haven't known a guy that was like, you know what, let me really get in touch with myself and, you know, do this kind of work. Uh, So it's very interesting, but it's good. And that, that lets me know that they are aware Mm -hmm. of themselves and that they do need to do some deep diving. So that is a good thing. Often with men, it's they're aware that they want to be more aware. So Mm. women come with that full awareness of like, uh, I have these negative patterns and I'm beating myself up. Men come with this, like, I really can't connect emotionally. And that's, I know that that's how I was raised. And I I want to shift that. Nice. Mm -hmm. That's great. I mean, that's just you know, and and what did you do before? Okay, so you were married. So what did you do prior to having your business? So while well, I was a mom, so I've done a few different things. I was a kinder music educator for a while when my kids were really little. I, I sing also. So that was a fun uh, job. But then once I left my marriage and had to go back to work, I mm-hmm. had to support my kids and myself. I got into senior living 
um, synchronicity took me there. And I started working in activities uh, in a senior community and and then in the social work department and then was um, provided an opportunity. A friend called me up and said, damn, you'd be perfect for this director of life enrichment at this kind of luxury senior living Mm -hmm. place. And so I went in and I had the job a couple of days later and I did that for four years and loved it so much. And that's where I really realized I am still living my purpose, even though I'm not speaking in front of thousands of people about happiness and passion, I am impacting lives every single day. And it was only after the pandemic that I actually just decided I need to take this on a bigger, broader scale. More people need my help. Wow. Very interesting. All right, Tamara. So we're going to go into the questions. Are you ready? I'm a little nervous. (laughs) I know. I scare everyone when I say that. Everybody's like, okay. (laughs) Okay, here we go. Who or what motivates you? My children. What demotivates you? Cold days and snow. Yeah. When was a time that something was said or done to hurt you, but it worked for your good? Oh, 15 years of marriage to my (laughs) ex-husband didn't motivate me at first, but then it totally did. And the self-awareness and the gifts of that marriage far outweigh the pain. I'll take it again any day. What is your fear? Uh, My fear is that my children won't step into their own courage and create lives they love. But I think it's an unfounded fear. (laughs) Yeah, I think so. Is there a time when you wish you had done something that you didn't? Yes, I originally wanted to be a Broadway star and I chickened out and switched majors from theater to uh, family studies and human development. And part of me, not all of me, still wishes I had gone for it and gone Mm -hmm. to New York and tried to get on the big stage. Is there a time that you wish you had not done something? Hmm. I have this devotion to being grateful for everything that's happened and saying it's all for me. Mm-hmm. And so I, I do not carry regret because I know I'm exactly where I'm meant to be. So I can't, I, no, there's nothing. Oh, wow. What is your definition of success? Mm. Having peace in your body and your heart and having joy every day. Mm. How do you recharge? Ooh, <laughs> hot baths, good books, hugs and cuddles and laughter with my kids, uh, yoga and meditation. Mm. What are you awesome at besides making people happy? <laughs> <laughs> well, hugging, but also karaoke. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, my goodness. What legacy do you want to leave? Love. I want to leave a legacy of love and I want people to know that their dreams are possible. And if I leave behind me one person saying she went for her dreams, I can go for mine, then I will have lived a beautiful life. Wow. So, Tam, tell the listeners how they can connect with you if they need some happiness coaching. Give us the whole scoop. 
Okay, the whole scoop. I have a very unique name, so you can Google me. And my website is uh, a life you love now.com because I want you to love your life now, not 10 years from now. And I'm on Instagram, Tamara Zoner. I'm on Facebook, Tamara Zoner. And if you have listeners who happen to be local to the Detroit metro area, my meetup is called Create a Life You Love. And so they can find me there too and connect in person. And even through the pandemic, we have been meeting in person where we can physically distance while socially connecting. Hmm. That is awesome. Uh, actual meetup group. So you guys hear that if you're in the Detroit area, you have a meetup group that you can go and meet some people, meet Tam and yeah. learn all the tools and principles. Wow. Thank you, Tam, for being on Trina Talk. It has been a joy. And I, I have this has been a pleasure speaking with you. Thank you. It's been so much fun. I love talking about happiness. So I can do this all day. In fact, I do. <laughs> yeah. I want to thank my guests for being on the show. And I want to thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed the show. And don't forget to tune in next week.